All right. Well, hello. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another live episode of the ACB Advocacy Update, coming to you through the ACB community, as well as being streamed in Clubhouse and over the ACB Media Network. I'm excited to say that we are broadcasting in both English as well as with a Spanish interpretation and with CART captioning. My name is Clark Rockfall. I'm the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, and I'm joined by my colleague and co-host. Hi, I'm Swadhananda Kumar. I am a CV Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. And this evening, we are continuing our series of community events, debuting the ACB Legislative Imperatives for 2023. This is event three out of four. So we have already discussed the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, as well as the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. The DC Leadership Conference, uh, there's actually, there's still time to register, folks. Uh, this is February 28th. Registration closes today. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, e email Nancy Becker or Caitlin Herrera and uh, ask mm -hmm. for forgiveness because it's getting late here in the day, but you can still register for the virtual portion of the leadership conference, which will take place Saturday, March 4th, this Saturday through Tuesday. March 7th, as well as the in-person portion of the Leadership Conference, which will take place Thursday, March 9th through Sunday, March 12th. Swatha, is there anything else going on during that in-person portion that folks might be interested to know about? Well, the currency rally. Oh, the currency rally. Sw Swatha, what is a currency rally? So we are having a rally, a protest on the steps of the, the White House, in front of the White House and Treasury Building to um, ask for accessible currency. It's so accessible currency for blind loading folks. This is not a new issue. It's been going, really going on for the 20 years plus. So come join us and come make your voice heard. Exactly. So as we mentioned, this is our third imperative event. And we will be providing an overview of the Websites and Software Application Accessibility Act. To provide an overview of the Websites and Software Application Accessibility Act, I will turn to my colleague, Swatha Nandakumar. Yeah, so what this, this bill is um, the website Websites and Software Accessibility Applications Accessibility Act. Um, so, but this bill was introduced late last year in September in the fall, um, and needs to be needs to be reintroduced. So, what this bill does is it would create standards for websites and applications um, to make it, make it accessible for people people with disabilities. Um, this bill uses, defines accessibility in a functional functional way and not in a not tied to a standard or to a um, directive. 
So, Clark, you want to tell us what function the accessibility is? Absolutely, Swatha. So there, there's two ways to think about how in a, a legislative approach you can try to require accessibility, right? We can look towards something like the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, which many folks know and uh, are very appreciative for, also referred to as WCAG or WCAG. Um, and these are very kind of prescriptive international standards, right? Like there's there's a standard for uh, font, for contrast, um, for screen reader accessibility. And there's there are different uh, metrics where you either, it's almost like a, a binary choice, right? Depending on the level of the requirement, um, it can be either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Um, a functional definition operates a little bit differently. Uh, so, for example, when in the Americans with Disabilities Act, we have a requirement for effective communication for people who are blind and low vision or people who are deaf and hard of hearing. Um, effective communication means that you need to be able to provide equal access to be able to communicate with people who are disabled. It doesn't necessarily tell you how you have to effectively communicate. There could be any number of ways that you effectively communicate. That could be through alternative methods. It could be through the use of auxiliary aids and services. Um, but the requirement of effective communication is that that functional definition component. Um, it's kind of the uh, the aspirational goal, right? And that's what we're looking toward here with a functional definition of accessibility. This legislation does not tell uh, government or businesses or employers, you must do A, B, and C, and you will be you'll get a you know a badge a gold star a smiley face for being accessible uh, what this functional definition says is that you need to provide equal access for people with disabilities so that they can have the same access with the same level of privacy and the same level of independence as people who are not disabled uh, we also see this in the the work of the Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Um, say, for example, when the CVAA talks about accessible user interfaces for either uh, wireless phones or landline phones or video user interfaces, it doesn't prescribe how you provide that equal access um, to advanced communication services. It doesn't uh, mandate the specific method or technology to be used, it says, you know, hey, service provider, this is on you. Do, do what you feel is the best for your business with this being that end goal. So that's what we're aspiring to here with this functional definition. We don't want to be prescriptive, but we do want to make sure that people with disabilities have access. Now, what will flow from that once this legislation is passed, um, what will stem from the legislation are 
regulations, enforceable regulations made by rulemakings at the Department of Justice and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Those regulations will be more, you know, more prescriptive than the functional definition. Um, and why why is that the case? Because it's easier to update and change regulations than it is to change legislation. Um, just think of it this way: the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed in 1990. If we had codified in 1990 that a wireline phone must be used over the copper phone network the public switch telephone network to provide voice communications for people who are blind, we would be left in the dust, right? We we don't want to put into legislation something that cannot evolve as technology evolves. Um, we want to be able to access the same technologies, have the same benefits, privileges, and advantages as everyone else. And that's why it's important to keep a, a functional definition in this legislation. Swatha? Yeah, so we really, we really want the accessibility standards to keep pace with new and emerging technology. So what this bill also does is it um, creates or um, sets a study on new emerging, new emerging technology to make sure that our that our standards keep pace and um, also establishes an advisory council to define accessibility in this in, within this definition of functional. So it really, um, we really want this 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 bill this these um this slot you can say um to be evergreen and to be um, continually continually evolving. We don't want to we don't want to be stagnant and expire in like three years so um yeah so this bill was introduced last year by senator duckworth in the ha senate and um congress congressman star reigns in the house so we really uh, are pushing for this bill to be reintroduced past bust offices and um we do ask that you all talk to your members of Congress about this issue and about the, the importance of this bill. So, Clark, do you want to talk about um, more about advocacy? Absolutely, Swatha. Thank you. So, why is this bill important and, and why now, right? Uh, websites and applications have been around for quite a while. Um, honestly, it's it's something that should have been done many years ago. It's something that ACB, uh, our partners at AFB and AER and other organizations uh, tried to do for the blind and low vision community uh, back in, in 2010, when there were conversations about uh, amending and modernizing the Americans with Disabilities Act, or the ADA Amendments Act. As time has progressed, and certainly, as we noticed throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, many more things are shifting online. Uh, if we just think about the past two years, uh, 
oh, let's see, in ACB, there's this little thing called the ACB community that went from holding one or two Zoom calls a month to now holding over 100 per week. Telehealth, being able to have virtual doctor's appointments has exploded in popularity. Distance learning, remote education, online schooling, whether for kindergarten through 12th grade or at the university level, is a staple of our education system now. And for for those of us that have been fortunate enough to maintain employment throughout the pandemic, we all had to adjust to working from home, working remotely. And some of us have adjusted so well, we're never, ever going back to an office ever again, right? Uh, we, we certainly know friends and family or loved ones who are making that decision. So why shouldn't people with disabilities have access to those same benefits, uh, those same privileges and advantages? as the rest of the population. Uh, we, we certainly divert, deserve it. It's certainly our right to have equal access um, to whether it's government services or the uh, services and benefits or the tools and resources we need to do our job through our employer, to take part in education, healthcare, heck, entertainment, civic engagement, whatever it is. So many aspects of our lives are just as, if not more, readily available online than they have been ever before. And Swatha, we're not even factoring in transportation yet, right? Just like how difficult is it to be fully engaged in the the real physical world uh, for many of our members? So the virtual built environment offers unparalleled access when it is designed to be accessible from the start. So why, why, why do we think legislation, why do we think advocacy in this space is necessary? Well, part of it is that, although I'd say it's an unsettled question how the Americans with Disabilities Act applies to the virtual built environment. You know, there, there's no question that the ADA applies to the physical built environment, uh, our curb cuts, our ramps and doors and braille signage um, and things like that, right? But what about our virtual built environment? In some cases, literally court cases, depending on where you are in the country, uh, some courts think that the ADA applies to the internet. Other courts say, no, nah, not so fast. There needs to be a connection to the physical world or a nexus to the physical world for the Americans with Disabilities Act to cover websites. And that creates confusion and uncertainty. You know, fortunately, the Department of Justice has been consistent in their guidance since the mid-90s that, yes, the ADA applies to websites. But the Internet's not just websites. We've got websites, applications, online services, portals, the metaverse, 
virtual and augmented reality. What about all that stuff? There's a whole bunch of things out there that are more than just websites. Uh, also, the Department of Justice, although they say that the ADA applies to the internet, they haven't created regulations to say when and where and how that applies. So this, again, this goes back to the uncertainty that exists. Uh, you know, we, we're confident the ADA applies, but there's not clear rules of the road for people with disabilities to enforce their rights, for ACB to advocate on behalf of our members, and for businesses and employers out there who want to do the right thing, but say that they don't know how because there's not clear guidance. Uh, now, fortunately, the Department of Justice does have on their calendar for May of 2023 to start a rulemaking for Title II of the ADA, which covers state and local governments, right? Well, that still leaves out Title III. That leaves out places of public accommodation, uh, which is a, a whole lot of things, um, whether it's, again, entertainment, healthcare, transportation, um, and, and so on, uh, restaurants, e-commerce, et cetera, et cetera. So also, we have been down this road with the Department of Justice saying that they will do a rulemaking before. They said that in 2010, that continued through 2015. Uh, President Obama's administration ended. President Trump's administration began with a new president. You get new priorities and that rulemaking was never completed. So here we are with a new rulemaking starting. That needs to be completed by the end of 2024. And that'll provide some clarity, but Title III still remains. So this legislation uh, still remains a vital ad advocacy tool. SWATHA, and it's not only important for people who are blind and low vision, but it's important for the entire disability community. Yes. Um, so this can, there have been many instances for other people with disabilities, not just blindness, that um kind of access barriers like if you need captioning for a video or a sound interpretation you might not you or not use interpretation, just just captioning um the video players or in any websites that might not support it um there's no standards that are there standards clear standards that cover that um if you use a switch like for your for um dexterity for dexterity for dexterity for use computer that doesn't always work with websites um as they're built now so what this bill is trying to do is trying to encompass and include all people with disabilities not just the blind and illusion community and this is a really this is really this issue is, is really important to the community and we are really united again again in um that's something that's something that needs to change so that you clark exactly and for those reasons uh there are more than a hundred organizations national state and local from the blindness uh, the physical disability the speech cognitive 
uh, mobility and dexterity communities who are all the sensory disability communities who are all supporting this legislation along with the American Council of the Blind. So as you work with your state affiliates to schedule meetings with your members of Congress, your representatives, and your U.S. senators, encourage them to support and co-sponsor the websites and software applications Accessibility Act. Let them know what it would mean to you to have equal access to all of the same benefits, resources, and advantages that everyone else takes advantage of on a daily basis. And help us advocate to ensure that the physical built environment, uh, the accessibility that exists in the physical built environment carries over to the virtual built environment. So, Clark, do you think we have any questions? I think so, Swatha. Let's do it. With our uh, wonderful Zoom hosts here this evening, we have multiple ways for folks to submit or rec be recognized for questions. Uh, Deb or somebody else, could you please provide an overview for how we will do Q&A this evening? Sure, Clark. We have um, the regular Zoom uh, uh, webinar option for you to raise your hand, and Sheila is managing that for us this evening, and you're all pretty familiar with that. She will let you... Um, uh, she will give you the unmute button. And then uh, we have uh, Bell over in Clubhouse. So if you're joining us there, uh, you can follow the procedures we usually use over there to raise your hand and be recognized. And then if you prefer to use the written uh, question and answer box on your screen, uh, that is something we are experimenting with to use in certain events and possibly this summer in the convention. So if you'd like to experiment with that, you can uh, tab over to that and uh, submit a question in that box. All right. So Ray Campbell is first. <laughs> All right. Well, good to hear we are again, guys. Good evening, Clark. Good evening, Swatha. Um, hey. Um, so just want to share something with our members uh, as someone who works in this uh, you know technology accessibility every day um, I think what I what I would want to share with all of you as you're talking with your representatives um, that you know the one of the pu pushbacks you might get is well what standards are they that, that we can have companies follow we have standards, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, um, uh, the latest version, I believe we're on 2.1 double, level AA is what the standard is. And um, that not only applies to websites, but a lot of the principles that are in there can also apply to applications, to mobile apps, to, um, to other uh, things besides websites. And so, I think that you would want to reference those as a guideline, a standard that can be followed. The Department of Transportation thinks it's a good standard because they have required airlines to make their websites accessible per the web content accessibility guidelines. So um, don't let anybody tell you that there aren't standards out there that can be followed. And um, that 
is certainly something that um, one of the issues I think we've heard over the years is, well, what standards do I follow to make things accessible? The other thing I would say to, um, as you're talking with your members is that, um, you know, what it's that, you know, it, it's it, Department of Justice, as Clark and Swatha have stated, have done just about everything but put the rules out there. Uh, they and the courts are citing, tending to say that the ADA Title III does apply. You know, Rob, um, Robles versus Domino's uh, a couple of years ago, it said that the um, Domino's website and their app needed to be uh, accessible. But basically, um, the third point I'd make is that especially when it comes to things like online shopping, you know, talk about the fact that, you know, transportation can be a barrier uh, to getting out and you know, doing getting the things that you need. And it's so much easier to do online shopping and that all of those sites need to be accessible. Uh, like, uh, for example, Amazon has done a pretty good job of making uh, things accessible. So. Just wanted to uh, make those points and uh, uh, wish everybody good luck in their advocacy work. Thanks, Ray. Yep. Sorry, you add yeah, right. thank, thank you so much, Ray, from the, the great state of Illinois and home mm -hmm. of Senator mm -hmm. Tammy Duckworth, the Senate sponsor for this legislation. Yep. yep. All right. Seven seven five ending in six five three. You may speak. Good after or good evening from Reno, Nevada. Um, this is Dora. I am one of the explorer for ICB. Um, thank you, Swaza and Clark, for a great job. We are going to our NCB. I'm starting a support group. Um, not yet a chapter but a support group and we're calling ourselves the explorers. Um, we are going to be meeting with Jackie Rosen and maybe um, Catherine Cortez Masto, our Senator and the house representative, Mark Amaday. Um, so I appreciate the, um, the web content, um, the week act 2.1. I was trying to see what are going to be my, our backup uh, to support this, um, imperative that we're doing is there a my question to you um folks is is there a like a letter a standard letter where our members of ncb could just get in there and fill in their names um and and what's it about basically and then that way we can send them sort of like it's uniformed um because we try to do our our we tried to write a letter ourselves, but um, some of the members are not very well um, informed and they don't want to say the wrong thing to represent um, ACB as a whole. Thank you. Absolutely. And that, that was Dora, the explorer from <laughs> Nevada. Yes, sir. Okay. Just making sure I got that correct. Um, <laughs> Uh, we would be happy to follow up with you for assisting with drafting a letter for your members to use. If you could please email us at advocacy at acb.org. Um, also, okay. we do have a, a background document on this legislative imperative that is mm -hmm. 
that is playing on the Washington Connection, so you can access it via audio, as well as uh, linked on the DC Leadership page on the ACB website under the okay. legislative imperatives. All right, sounds great. Thank you. You guys are the best. Take care and stay safe. Thank you, Dora. Okay. Nope, that's it. All right. If we have no other questions here in Zoom or in the Q&A or in Clubhouse, um, Swatha, what do you think about that point about the uh, ensuring that members of Congress know that there are inter, uh, excuse me, yes, international uh, guidelines that do exist, consensus guidelines that do exist related to website accessibility. I do think they could be a good starting point. So if your member of Congress does not know that there are these that there are these WCAG standards that um, you can learn about them and learn what could be required or um, what could be required companies. Um, that could be a great template for um, you know for for this for um, rulemaking or for um, a good starting point. So yeah, Mark, we do have a hand in Zoom. Great, Jamaica. Yes, um, the, uh, my name is Jamaica, and I'm from Georgia here. and And I'm wondering what I'm wondering what the um, what what um, Congress what Congress means for the for the repre for representative for Congress, and um, where should I find that representative of Congress to email him email him or her all about this? is what I'm wondering. Thank you. Absolutely. Swath, would you like to begin? Um, sure. So Congress is the governing body of legislators, um, of, of people who make laws that, um, that kind of influence all that's of life. Um, so it, it, the ADA, this binding legislation that this binding law that um, that you know sets set, set the rules for accessibility in like, the built environment. That was a bill passed by Congress um, and signed by the President. And um, if you would like to find your Congress member or your senator, um, who's also no, who's also um, a key lawmaker, um, you can go to house.gov or senate.gov and plug in your zip code or state where you live. So, thank you. thank you. Yeah, and thank you for that question, Jamaica. Uh, we also know that you've got some great advocates in the Georgia Council of the Blind, and working with your state affiliate is a great way um, to participate in advocacy, especially for these ACB legislative imperatives. So thank you for the question, and thank you for your interest. That's all for now, Clark.
All right, so do you want, do you want to do role playing with the Senator Rockfall from Maryland? Oh, uh, only if I can have, uh, I'd rather be, you know, S Senator Rockfall or Representative Rockfall uh, representing, you know, Central Florida and having one of my favorite constituents, uh, Sheila Young, <laughs> come and pay me a visit. <laughs> Oh Lord, have mercy! Mom didn't tell me this. <laughs> we'll blame it on Cindy. She's she's not here, right? She's not in the audience. No, she's not in the audience. Yeah, oh, Cindy. All right. So. so Sheila, you you and the Florida Council, you all do so do some great work. So when you've got um, an advocacy issue like this, what's the approach that FCB would take? I wish Anthony or Gabriel were here. Gabriel is here, but <laughs> I wish Paul Edwards were here. Raise that hand, Gabe. <laughs> um, you know, um, so are you a congressman or are you a senator right now? Uh, well, I, you know, I'm pretty young in my career. So let's say that I'm right, a, so, so I'm a representative. representative. All right. Yeah. So, so Congressman Rockfall, we in Florida as representing the Florida Council of the Blind, are very concerned about our web accessibility because we are not able to access many things, including medical documents, checking in for doctor's appointments, just registering to even check our flight status, even, you know, trying to make an airline reservation to come to D.C. to meet you. So how can you help us and how can we make it better? And will you support us in this web accessibility effort? Well, uh, Miss Sheila, thank you so much for coming to visit me. And have you have you personally encountered these barriers? Oh, yes, sir. Many what's, times. What's a good example of a, a barrier that you've encountered online? I recently tried to access my flight information when I'm coming to DC and I was not able to access it. I couldn't find my flight. I couldn't figure out how to add it to my phone which is apparently the way that everything is going in the world and not all individuals have smartphones so what do we do about seniors who can't do web access how can we help them well the, and you're telling me that this legislation would be able to to help those seniors no unfortunately not but that's just another topic <laughs> <laughs> But when I try to make a doctor's appointment, they want me to check in on my phone. And okay. I'm not I've, able I've had to, do, to that. do that, you know, and I can't figure out how I have a smartphone, but I'm not able to figure out how to access that link. So, you know, how can we help them make it more accessible for us to be able to check in online? And when you bring this to your your doctor's attention, what do they say? They say just call us. Uh, 
that's so, not access that's not yeah. acceptable to me i feel like if sighted people can do this we should be able to do it as well so right the, let's take a pause right here because that's that's a great uh i'll call that a, a great pivot because in many cases um the primary method of accessing services or information is online right but a, a company may say well just give us a call and whether that's a, a doctor an airline um you know uh, a business we all know what happens when you call right you get put on hold for hours upon hours on end and you're lucky if the person you speak with can help you with with the one thing you were trying to do but this takes more time it takes more effort and you're also missing out on everything else that can be done on the website or on the application and done right. so privately and independently yep. so sheila may have only been trying to check in for her doctor's appointment but in not being able to do that online what else isn't she able to do she's not able to see what other appointments are available she may not be able to see when her med medications need to be renewed she may not be able to tell that they have the wrong insurance information um, from an old file or old account or they just misspelled her name right those are things that everyone who has access to the uh, um, telehealth or patient portal that they will be able to do same same with transportation same with banking uh, same with online ordering so so, if, so we do have a hand raised okay <laughs> probably from my um <laughs> approaching you <laughs> no, Sheila, you Boone. no thank you sheila you did a great job yes you did <laughs> hey, hey clark and swatha good evening hey leslie hi leslie hey hey good job sheila very good i've got a quick question i don't know if you addressed it or not um i'm dealing uh, i'm dealing with more websites now um which is good for me because i'm learning but it's very, very frustrating. Um, you know, we talked about this last year, Clark. I still have the problem with my fitness site. I've spoken, tried to tried to speak to them about making it accessible. You know, they always say, yes, 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 we're going to work on it. We're going to work on it. It's still not accessible. My friends still had to help me get in to help me get my credits again, to help me fill out the form to help me do this and that. And, and it's just not right. I mean, this is my profession, right? You mm -hmm. know, so I don't know exactly if there's something that I can, you know, is there somewhere where I can tell them where to go and make it, you know, like the standards that Gray was saying, are there things that we can talk to our Congress people about? Because this is my profession and it's not accessible to me and I have to get my, you know, my CECs every two years. So I have to have my friends come over and help me get online to take the classes, first of all. Second of all, I have to have somebody else come back over after a month gone by that I've taken the classes to get my credits put into the form. And then third of all, I have to have another friend come in and put it into my certification. And then I have to pay online now. So, <laughs> so they want my money, but they're not accessible. So what, what is my, what can I do 
you have any suggestions for me? Well, the first suggestion is that this is a perfect story to share with your member of Congress and with your senators, because this impacts your employment. Uh, whether Democrats or Republicans, employing people with disabilities is a priority. Uh, you know, you could come at it from one angle and say, if somebody with a disability is employed, they are out there in the community, they're earning money as opposed to receiving government support, right? They're integrated and active in their community. They're engaged, they're present, um, just like everyone else. But all of these barriers negatively impact your ability to do that, to participate. Right. I'm not even working anymore. I mean, I'm working on my own, you know, mm -hmm. as my own volunteering, which I love, but I'm still keeping up my CECs and my yeah. profession because that's what I want to do. Exactly. So, Yep. It should be accessible. You know, and there's exactly. probably other people out there yes. that are blind and visually impaired that actually want to work at gyms. So it, it, this could be happening to other people and we just don't know it. Yeah. Well, these are, <laughs> these are items that, that uh, the ADA and this legislation um, that we're seeking to get reintroduced should definitely cover um it's it's certification courses uh for education and employment um so happy to connect with you separate from this call to talk about other okay. possible uh advocacy avenues related to this issue you know it, it makes me think of the uh the bar exam course that was inaccessible or the uh, you know the various testing and certification uh, courses and programs with the government that have been inaccessible over the years so right. i think there's okay. there's clear precedent to say that these technologies and these programs and services must be made accessible so let's see if we can have a, a conversation to help move that forward Sounds but, great. Thanks for all you guys are doing. Keep advocating. <laughs> as, as for you, Leslie, and please, again, share this story with your member of Congress and your senators because it's 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 powerful. Thank you. All right. Deb, Deb. Hi, this is Deb Marinos, and I'm in Oregon, and I'm, a, I'm actually creating online courses for certification for mental health providers and I also am a mental health provider, and this subject is very, uh, I get passionate about it because, you know, SurveyMonkey is completely accessible. So when I talk to my legislators, I find that they have a sense that, well, you're blind, so of course you can't use the computer. So I explain that I went through three different sites, and I found that the more expensive the software is, say for email marketing, like and I won't mention names unless you want them, but there's certain software companies. If I turn JAWS on, it crashes. I get the blue screen of death. So I've gone through them patiently until I found one that doesn't crash with JAWS. Now I have enough vision so I can cheat or I can get an assistant, but then I found I have to have an electronic health record that's compliant and secure. 
So I finally found one. It will not let me um, sign in. So I have to keep JAWS off. And I've learned to do tab tab twice. And I do some crazy password filling in thing. And then, then I hit enter. But every time I talk to those companies and say, hey, all you got to do is make it a button, make it a link, and I can do this. And they go, we don't have to. It's part of our security. Or it, they have these mm. strange ideas. And mm -hmm. so we really need the legislation to show them that it's okay. Because what happens is everybody that's facing, and I think it's important to let them know, there's so many software out there that is accessible, and it's all stuff that people can get at. But all this stuff that's hidden behind a membership where you have to pay $150 a month or in the one case, $1,500 a year to use it, and it's private business and they're making a ton of money, and it wouldn't take them. You know, the one has an index, and, in, and instead of using a tab to go down to the menu, they use spaces. So JAWS can't find the first letter of the menu because there's a space in front of it a different number of spaces. Now, granted, over time, I've learned to use it anyway, but I think it's important to let them know that there's lots of software that does work. Thanks. I Yeah, I agree with you. I think cost is another um, great angle to angle to, to talk about with these, with, with the, um, with your, members of Congress or with the growers companies that it is cheaper and this technology already, already exists in most cases. So it doesn't like, it's not like you have to reinvent the wheel or tear up the road. It's easier to just put it in at the beginning than, than as, it, as an afterthought. Yep. So it's just important to know that there's a lot of people out there who are working that need to use software. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, Jewel. Am I unmuted? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I got the unmute several times. It actually blocked me from the muting. Um, so uh, my question, I have been listening through the uh, media skill. Um, my question is, if this passes and websites and software have to be accessible, what is going to enforce that? Because we already have issues with the ADA enforcement, where if mm. it's not a big deal, it's not getting enforced. Mm -hmm. um, there's been, a, you know, basically it has to be a class action lawsuit before it gets enforced. So I'm curious what is going to enforce this? Is there what? something in place to try to change that? What a great question. Swatha, would you like to talk about the, uh, so say this legislation gets passed and then we have to go through the rulemaking process. Um, the regulations are implemented. How can people with disabilities enforce this law to ensure equal access? So... Now this gets kind of dicey here, but so ideally you'd want to have the ability to um, kind of bring a suit or um, talk to com companies about what their that their violation of this bill. Um, what do you want to elaborate? Absolutely. So 
currently included in this legislation as it was introduced in the last year in the 117th Congress, there is a private right of action for people with disabilities or uh, organizations and, and entities. What what does private right of action mean? That means that an individual or an organization would be able to file a lawsuit uh, with punitive damages for a violation of this act. Currently with the ADA, uh, you can file a lawsuit and receive only injunctive relief, which means they have to fix what's wrong, and reasonable attorney's fees. Um, so having the ability to file a lawsuit, having the ability to receive damages, we think is a powerful incentive to encourage employers and businesses to do the right thing, to ensure that they would not have a suit brought against them. Um, there are some states around the United States that in their state laws have allowed for uh, punitive damages, you know, um, basically like financial damages to be awarded to people with disabilities. But that is not part of the Americans with Disabilities Act, the national framework. So that's an area where, where we feel that this bill uh, if passed, would strengthen the rights of people with disabilities when uh, taking action to protect their rights. Okay, she left. All right. Okay. But pretty cool that we had somebody listening on the on the media skill who was passionate enough to jump in into yeah. the community in Zoom yeah. to ask a question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have that no really shows the power hands. So. I'm sorry, what was that, Sheila? We have no other hands here. Or no other else. hands? Nothing no. in the Q&A and nothing on Clubhouse? No, sir. All right. Swatha, do you want to give a a quick recap of our legislative imperative, the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act? Yes. So this bill itself the standards for websites and applications um, be accessible for not just blind folks and not just low vision folks, but all people with all, all kinds of disabilities. So people from from mobility and dexterity to speech and cognition, um, this bill really encompasses all of that. So, what we would want—sorry, oh. noise. Um, so, what you we asking asking you all to do with your member of Congress is to. Is to talk is to share share your story and share why this legislation is is important to you, 
and why this needs to be passed and the need and just emphasize the need of this of legislation and um let them know that you uh, you want them to to um co-sponsor once introduced or um to be originating originating sponsor when upon an injection so that's right and and as swatha said emphasize you know the need the problem we all encounter inaccessible websites applications and services on a daily basis right all of those are reasons why this legislation is important and well, how will this did, we did get a hand raised of course all right let's we'll quickly go to that question yeah six six oh eight two nineteen go ahead hi uh this is peter heidi uh, that i understand that we have the right to file under the if, if the present uh language is used um, as a protest, but that, I mean, does that mean that we're going to have to find enough money to um, hire a lawyer and begin the initial fees and um, and incur um, indebtedness to be able to get to a settlement uh, time? It, that's a, a great question, Peter. I would say that that's not addressed by this this legislation. I, that would depend on the uh, the relationship between the plaintiff and their counsel. Um, there are, there are plenty of attorneys out there right now that will take disability rights cases pro bono, but not all of them will. Um, there are attorneys and law firms out there that charge clients for taking a disability rights case. There are others that will do it pro bono and then they will receive attorney's fees once, uh, you know, upon victory in the case or as part of a settlement. So so I'd say that this uh, this legislation is not the appropriate vehicle to address that, um, but that is that's a consideration that all of us need to make when pursuing legal advocacy yeah because i mean it's it seems to be you know only the people that have money are able to make the complaint and make it stick well i i understand uh why why folks uh feel that way um you know we within acb and our affiliates we're fortunate to work with a, a lot of great partners on behalf of our members um where that that is not the case and i i think that there are folks out there doing doing really good work that uh have alternative compensation models uh to assist people with disabilities in in filing complaints But thank you for that question. That's all gone. Alrighty, Sheila. So as, as Swatha and I were saying, you know, emphasize the need, emphasize the problem, and then uh, really strongly encourage them, your members of Congress, your senators, to support the websites and software applications accessibility act. Why? Because 
it requires the Department of Justice and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission to create a uniform national framework. It requires them to create enforceable regulations. Um, it requires them to do that by a date certain uh, after passage of the bill. So we won't be in the situation now where the ADA was passed over 30 years ago, but these regulations have not been completed. Um, that's why we need this legislation. We need the legislation to force the Department of Justice and the EEOC to create the regulations. We need that to provide certainty to us as people with disabilities, as well as to uh, the business community, the places of public accommodations, the employers out there, uh, so that they know what it means to be accessible. They know what it means to provide equal access to people with disabilities. So again, there's still time to register Although now it's getting pretty late late in the game, but there is still time to register for the DC Leadership Conference. I hope everyone's able to join us, um, whether virtually Saturday, March 4th through Tuesday, March 7th, and especially in person mm -hmm. in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, Thursday, March 9th through Sunday, March 12th in at the hilton alexandria old town and as swatha said including our rally for accessible and inclusive currency on friday march 10th so thank you for joining us this evening and as always swatha keep advocating <laughs> and we do have one comment in the q a that is gabriel <laughs> who said i'm really digging the spanish translation so <laughs> well hip hip hooray and yeah. big thank you to our uh spanish language interpreter as well as our cart captioner uh, for helping us spread the word about our advocate advocacy and our legislative imperatives